0: Greetings in the name of our Christ. We uh, thank God for each and every one of you who is joining us. And we are looking forward to the Lord doing a wonderful, wonderful sharing as far as our time together is concerned, uh, dealing with this particular Bible study. I want to thank each and every one of you. Take a time out of your busy schedule to, to join us as far as our time of study and reflection with what God wants to do with us, in us, and through us as far as this teaching moment is concerned. So I want to, if you wouldn't mind, uh, open up with a word of prayer. We're going to start uh, with the lesson coming from Ephesians chapter six, starting at verse six, going through verse 10, verse six through 10, five verses we're going to look at. As far as today is concerned, and um, we'll see what the Lord will do as far as our time together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you right now and we pray that you will empower us to understand and appreciate the essence of your word. Lord, if you would, in your own powerful and imitable way, uh, be present with us as you are ultimately the master teacher. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And let your word be even a brighter lamp unto our feet and an incandescent light unto our pathway. Show yourself strong and mighty as only you can and give us the eyes, the ears, and the heart to see to hear and to apply what we gather and glean from this time together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen. So as we prepare to um, engage in this time of study, thank you for each and every one of you who is um, joining us. Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six, starting at verse six. And what I want to do is I want to hopefully and prayerfully uh, give us uh, insight, the proper insight into some verses that we tend to take out of context uh, as far as our time together is concerned. So Ephesians, not Ephesians, Galatians rather, chapter six, Galatians chapter six, starting at verse six, these words are printed. Let him who has taught the word sharing all good things with him who teaches. Highlight that verse. Verse seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will also reap. If you would underline the phrase, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. And then if you would highlight the phrase, Uh, Whatever man sows, that will he reap. Verse eight, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So I want you to, if you would, um, highlight the phrase, sows to his flesh will reap corruption, and then sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. I want you to highlight those phrases. Verse nine, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So if you would, um, in verse nine, I want you to circle the words due season. And I want you to circle the word reap. And I want you to highlight the phrase, if we do not lose heart. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and if you would circle the word opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, if you would highlight that whole phrase. All right. So, <clears throat> oftentimes, I want to kind of start off our uh, sharing with this thought. We have often heard the phrase "you reap what you sow," and oftentimes we've even had Christians to use the term karma, k a r m a. You know that if something, you know, no. negative or bad happens to someone, we would say, you know, that's karma. Uh, paying them back. Number one, we as Christians do not believe in karma. Uh, that is a Buddhist term, uh, and we have to stop engaging in that, what I would call syncretism. But we have often taken this phrase, as far as the Bible is concerned, what a man sows, that will he reap? And we've applied it to the thinking that uh, of how we live a lifestyle. And while that is true, let me just say that this text doesn't have anything to do with um, if you do good to somebody, it'll come back to you. This is not what this text is all about. And we unfortunately have misapplied this text. So I want to unpack this in a very intentional way. Galatians 6 verses 6 through 10 is dealing with being generous, doing good, and supporting the pastors and the teachers of the word of God. That is what this is directly all about, okay? Now, I know I just burst a major bubble, but that's what this particular text at its very core, at its very essence, is all about. And it is out of this particular text that even the idea or the connotation of sowing and reaping flourishes and is further developed. This has nothing to do with when it comes to how you treat people uh, in church or out of church more so than it does with you being supportive of those who teach and preach the word as well as demonstrating good to those who are part of the household of faith. In other words, this is connected to financial generosity. Now, there may be some folks who are already getting ready to tune me out, but um, if so, you're gonna miss your blessing. (laughs) Uh, And I'm gonna walk us through this very slowly and very intentionally because I want us to have the proper interpretation when it comes to the word of God. So let's look at how this unfolds. Verse six, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. One of the things that I wanna help us to understand is that each believer is to show the the financial support of the pastor, teachers and the church. Now, what was happening at this time is that, remember, Paul has been dealing with these Judaizers, these false teachers who had come into the church at Galatia and was telling them that, unless they become circumcised, uh, that they're not really Christians and they're not really saved. And Paul was like, no, that's not true. You're not saved based on circumcision. You're saved because of the grace of God and you put in faith in Jesus Christ. So it is the belief that these Judaizers had called some of the believers to stop giving as far as supporting the pastor teachers of that church. These were people who were given full-time ministry and who would be reimbursed for their labors. Now, let me, if I could, just give you a little further understanding and insight into this because we have some people who feel like pastors and teachers should, that pastors should not get any type of compensation. But this basically goes back even to the New Testament church, that those who have set aside their time and their life were reimbursed and were compensated for their work. Now, what Paul is saying is that he is reminding them this is not something mandatory. This is really something that you should be giving out of a perspective of grace because the Jews were taxed for the support of the priests and even the Gentiles paid fees to sustain their religion. You hear me? The Jews were taxed to support the priests and the temple because there was a temple tax. <laughs> and this is also in, uh, uh, in 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 addition to the time, there was a temple tax. So um, you had Jews were paying temple tax. You had the Gentiles. They were paying their own fees and vows uh, to sustain their false or idol religions. Paul is saying this is voluntarily given to support the Lord's servants because this is revolutionary. All right. This is revolutionary. And this is where the aspect of where concept of grace giving comes into play, into play. The admonition is clear that as a pastor or as a teacher of the word, that they should share in the good things of God and a believer is to reciprocate by sharing good things with the instructor. I want to kind of drill down, if I could, a little bit deeper on um, on, on verse 6, because after Paul has described how the Holy Spirit helps believers in their relationships with others, in this particular pericope, Paul is explaining how the Holy Spirit is to affect our finances. Now we're good with 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 the Lord telling us how to treat people and things like that. But when it comes to dealing with money, a lot of us tune God out, and I would dare say that's where many of us really miss out on the blessings that God wants to give us. Now, um, Paul primarily focuses on what he thought, as far as this verse is concerned, believers. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, got to be responsible for our use of money. Okay? Now, let me just say that when you look at the teachings of Jesus, one out of every seven teachings of Jesus has something to do with your material possessions, has something to do with your finances. Part of what we have to understand is that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to bear one another's burdens, as well as fall through our commitments. And that requires, check this out, if you don't get nothing else, faithfulness in our financial decisions. Okay. Faithfulness in our financial decisions. Now, why is this why is this so important? Um, because the Bible helps us to understand that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And there's the only issue that, that that draws so much attention in the church is when it comes to money and when it comes to giving. Because what a lot of us tend to do is we tend to tune the preacher out when it comes to talking about money and giving. But I would dare say that's where many of us really miss out on the blessings that God wants to give us because we fail to tune God out when it comes to our money. Uh, I try to help people to understand that when it comes to giving, so many of us think that when Jesus came, he did away with the tithe. Jesus did not do away with tithing. He wants us to understand that really tithing is is the bare minimum. And if you read Matthew 23, 23, he says, Talking to the Pharisees, you tithe on your anise, your cumin, your mint, those are spices. And yet you neglect the way the matters of the law, like love, justice, and mercy. He said, this you ought to have done and not neglect the others. So I want you to understand that what, what Jesus did was Jesus did not do away with the tithe. He raised it to another level to help us understand that right giving plus right living equals bountiful blessings. That there are special blessings for right giving and right living. The problem with a lot of us is we think that right giving without right living that God owes us. No. And we also think that right living without right giving that God owes us. No. Right living plus right giving helps you to appreciate and enjoy some major supernatural blessings that God wants to bestow upon you. Let me say it again. Right giving, right living can bring about supernatural and exponential blessings as far as your reality is concerned. All right. There are people that live right or treat people right, but they don't give right. Then there are people who think they can buy their way into the kingdom. They give, but they don't live right. I'm trying to impress upon you the right living plus right giving equals supernatural bountiful blessings. All right. Now, let let me drill down on something because we're living in a culture that deals with or tries to promote some sense of self-esteem. In other words, have pride in yourself whether you accomplish anything or not. Have pride in yourself whether you're lazy or whether you're doing something or not, all right? So when you and I attempt to affirm our own worth, we will drift from pride to worthlessness and back. What I'm trying to impress upon you is that the Bible helps us to understand that our worth comes from being connected to a relationship with God, being part of God's creation and bearing the image of God. You and I have worth simply because God thought enough of us to send Jesus Christ to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. So whatever self-confidence that you and I have as followers of Jesus Christ It is totally different than how the world thinks about pride and self-worth. And I also want to help you to understand that there is nothing wrong with self-confidence as long as it is undergirded, check this out, by humility. You and I do not create our self-worth. It comes from God. You and I do not bring to bear our self-worth. It comes from God. You can't dream it up. You can't make it up. Um, If you don't do well in something, it doesn't mean that you're worthless. But if you have a whole lot of money, it doesn't mean that you are worthy. Our self-worth comes from God. Now, I I hope and pray that I can make this as plain for you as possible because I really believe that the Lord wants to bring to bear uh, our interaction as far as he is concerned. So let me, let me drill down even further on this. Paul in verse six is pressing the Galatian church to support their Christian pastors and teachers. All right. The real teachers, not the false teachers the real teachers, those that are serving full-time in preaching and teaching. Uh, The congregations who are taught the word should voluntarily and generously provide for the teacher's need. Now, what does that mean? That includes financial support, sharing material items and services, as well as personal encouragement. Now, again, the early church in Jerusalem engaged in radical giving, um, And that was a model, but it wasn't something that all the churches followed. So in this particular aspect, Paul is trying to create a spirit of generosity among the Galatians. And Paul is trying to help them to understand that if you got somebody that's giving you the word, that is helping you to grow and develop and become what God will have for you to be, you all need to do whatever you can to give support to that pastor teacher all right again i want to remind you that in the jewish and greek religions they had fees and taxes in the church of jesus christ there are no fees there are no taxes you are asked to give voluntarily in other words If you don't give anything, that's on you. If you don't share anything, that's on you. If you don't give tithes and offerings, that's on you. You don't have to. And I'm trying, if I don't get get nothing else across, let me get it. You don't have to. and, and, And let me say it again. You don't have to give anything. I'm gonna let that set for a moment while I take a sip of water. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to give tithes. You don't have to give offering. You don't have to give anything. Why? Because there are no fees and no taxes in the Lord's church. You ain't got to give anything. Put that in the chat. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to. You don't have to. OK, you don't have to give tithes. You don't have to give offerings. God knows we thank God, we ain't got no fees or taxes in the in, in, in our religion. All right. Paul word is that this giving and sharing with Christian teachers is really a partnership. OK, and if your teachers are teaching you good stuff, the believers ought to reciprocate with good stuff. All right. And it kind of goes back to what Luke, to what Jesus said. In Luke 10, seven, and I want to share this with you. Luke 10, seven says, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. And the concept of the principle Paul was about to state, watch this, teachers are sowing good seed of God's word and they had a right to expect a harvest of goodness from their students. Okay, I I hope I'm. I hope I'm doing some good teaching right now. I really wish I had the whole church on this, because a lot of us we fail to miss out on the blessings that God wants to give us. Now, watch this. If you read in First Corinthians chapter one, I believe verse nine. uh, Chapter one, I mean First Corinthians chapter nine, verses three through fourteen, Paul really helps the church at Corinth to understand all the stuff. that he has been dealing with as far as the material needs of him doing ministry. It is so easy to receive the benefit of good Bible teaching and take spiritual leaders for granted, ignoring the physical and the financial needs. In other words, Paul is saying, care for the pastor teacher, not with a grudge and not with reluctance, but with a generous spirit showing honor and appreciation for all that the pastor teacher does. Okay. I'm getting ready to go somewhere with this. I'm getting ready to go somewhere with this because remember I told you, you don't have to give anything. Now this is where I'm getting ready to turn this thing on this head and, um, um, and get ready to take the teaching even deeper. Verse seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I put those two verses together because this is where the rubber hits the road. Now, remember... I told you, you don't have to give anything. All right? Y'all with me so far? You don't have to give anything. You don't have to do anything. Okay? You don't have to give anything. You don't have to do anything. But in Galatians, he really drives this point home. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. Now, i want to put kickstand right there for a moment. In this text, in this context, Paul is not talking about how you treat people. All right, if you don't get nothing else, please get this. Paul is not talking about how you treat people as far as good, bad, indifference, whatever. This is dealing directly with sowing into the life of the pastor teacher or into the ministry of the pastor teacher. Okay, This ain't got nothing to do with uh, if you treat somebody bad, it's going to come back to you or anything like that. This is not that context. Even though people have taken this verse to expand it to that meaning, that's not what this means. Now, let, let me get ready to drill this home because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that by the time I finish this, that you will have a greater appreciation for what God is trying to do. First of all, Paul starts off verse 7 with saying, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. That's like a prophetic warning. All right. In other words, um, no man can snub God whose rule a man reaps what he sows is immutable. It's unchanging. The the, the rule and the, the spiritual nature of sowing and reaping Cannot be changed. All right. I want you. I really want you to understand what I'm trying to drop on you. Um, uh, um, the, the 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 spiritual supernatural rule of sowing and reaping. The physical natural understanding of sowing and reaping cannot be changed. Now I'm getting. Ready, I'm getting ready to bless somebody. I grew up in Mississippi. Um, I used to go and stay with my great-grandmother in Crystal Springs, Mississippi. Her name was Alma Murray. And every summer, my sister and I, uh, during my younger teenage years, would go up and we would work uh, the fields where she was kind of like a sharecropper to earn money for school supplies and clothes. Follow me. We would go up there and we would work these fields, picking peas, corn, butter beans, peanuts, and watermelon. It was during that time that I came to the conclusion that I got to get an education because I do not want this to be a lot for my life. Picking peas, beans, corn, peanuts, and watermelon. That, That was not God's will for my life. That was back-breaking work. I was like, oh, no. Mm-mm, this is not the Lord's will for my life. But the principle I want to share with you is that they, the sowing always took place before the harvest. The sowing would take place in March or April of, as far as dropping seed. And you would drop when it comes to corn, about four or five seeds in a spot, but you will wind up reaping what? Corn, anywhere between six to eight ears on a stalk. Y'all with me? Drop some peas in the spot. You will wind up reaping about three or four little pods that had anywhere between eight to 10 peas in that pod. Same thing with butter beans, same thing with watermelon. I'm going somewhere with this. So you don't sow corn expecting to reap watermelon. You don't sow peas expecting to reap butter beans. Um, you don't sow watermelon expecting to reap apples. I hope I'm going somewhere with this. So God's natural and supernatural rule of reaping and sowing is unchangeable. Whatever A person sows, that shall he or she also reap. So each sower, each farmer decides what the harvest is going to be. So Paul is saying, if you sow to please your sinful nature, that is, if you spend your money to indulge in your flesh, you're going to reap a harvest of destruction. I'm going somewhere with this. But if you use your funds to support the Lord's work or you sow to please the spirit, you're going to promote your own spiritual growth and you will reap a harvest that's going to last forever. All right. Now, don't want to get it twisted. Although a broader application of this principle is understandable, in this context, Paul is dealing primarily with the question of financially supporting the Christian workers of the Lord's church. I hope I'm making some sense. All right, now, let me do even a deeper dive as far as this is concerned. Because this sentence inserted with Paul's flow of thought regarding money gives the general principle about the attitude of three things, kindness, giving, and sharing. Because there are those who were that, that were mocking were self-righteous Christians who thought they were spiritually better than everybody else. And while people can deceive one another, even themselves about their motives and attitudes, they can't deceive God. That's why it says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Why? Because God knows the heart. God knows the spirit. All right? That's why I keep trying to tell you, right living plus right giving is the superna- it lends itself to supernatural blessings. Right giving... Without right living, you're cutting some stuff off. Right living, without right giving, you're cutting some stuff off. When you engage in right living and right giving or right giving and right living, you're preparing yourself. Watch this. Supernatural blessings. All right? Okay? The phrase that God is not mocked helps us to understand that the law of sowing and reaping does not change. All right. Now, what does it mean to sow? To sow means to spread or to utilize or to invest. Three words. To spread, throw out there, to utilize, put to use, to invest. So when I give to St. Paul, when you give to St. Paul, you're doing three things. You're spreading good seed, in the good ground, you're utilizing the gifts that God has given you. You're making an investment into the kingdom. And I want you to understand that when you're making an investment into the kingdom, it will not come back void. In other words, God has never, God's stock market does not decline. I hope I'm helping someone that when you make an investment to the kingdom, there is no decline. None. None none I hope I'm helping somebody none all right let me drill even deeper because whatever we use as key values determine the course of our life and whatever we consider to be important in our life that's where we make the investment that's why that's why Jesus said don't lay up yourselves for treasures on earth okay but lay up for yourselves treasure and have for where your treasure is your Heart is what all sow. All right. Now, while we as believers receive God's special blessings and promises, God does not change the positive and negative of the natural law that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And that is from farming to your finances. Ooh, let me say it again from farming to finances. In other words, if a farmer plants corn and grows corn, he should not expect nor desire anything else. Believers, you decide the crop that you want and the plant accordingly for what you get back will be directly related to what you put in, as Paul explains in the next verse. If you sow to the flesh, In other words, if you put your money toward pleasing your flesh, you're going to reap corruption, you're going to reap destruction, okay? But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. One of the things that I have discovered in being a pastor, this is my fourth church being a pastor for over 30 years, I've discovered that most people who give tithes and offerings, Most people who give tithes and offerings, let me say it again, most people who give tithes and offerings don't raise a lot of stink when it comes to the church's finances. The most people that raise stink about church finances are those that aren't really generous givers. Okay, now there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, why? Because they understand they are giving more than to a particular local church. They're giving to the kingdom. All right, now, I want to reiterate something. I want you to hear my heart. That as your pastor, and one thing that I do uh, here at St. At Paul is I'm very intentional when it comes to being a generous giver. Okay? I sow into the work, into the ministry in which I also am expected to produce. All right? I plant my own seed. <laughs> In my own garden to help the totality of the garden to have a harvest. All right. I want you to hear me and hear me well. So when it comes to sowing and, and, and reaping, we got to understand that what you put in is what you're going to get out. All right. You reap to the you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. Now, I know there are people among all generational strata that may debunk what I'm saying and may throw it off and may say bah humbug, and that's fine. But remember, you get in what you put out. So watch this. And, and, and remember, I told you, you don't have to what, give anything but nothing from nothing leaves nothing. So if you don't sow anything, don't expect to what, reap anything. Oh, I think I'm teaching good now. Cause remember I told you, you ain't got to give anything, but if you don't sow anything, don't expect to reap anything. If you sow little, you're gonna what? Reap little. But if you sow much, you shall eventually what? Reap much. All right, now like I said, You ain't got to give anything, but the Lord ain't got to allow for you to reap anything either. And the Lord is true to his word. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now, let me give you the spiritual mathematical principle of what I'm just dropping on you. If a man sows nothing, he will reap nothing. If a man sows corn, he will reap corn. If a man sows apples, he will reap apples. If a man sows nothing, he will reap nothing. If a man sows little, he will reap little. If a man sows much, he will reap much. So you ain't got to sow anything and the Lord don't have to let you reap anything either. But also remember, If you sow to your flesh, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about appeasing the negativity of our life, then you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, if you sow to the good things of life, there is a reaping that will produce everlasting life. Now watch this. Believers who sow their resources and invest their lives to please the spirit you got a whole different harvest. How do we sow to please the Spirit? Real easy. When we use our resources to grow spiritually and support the Lord's work so that other people can become disciples and grow spiritually, we're pleasing the Spirit. Why? Because our harvest results in spiritual growth and souls being reached for the kingdom. And that's how our harvest lasts forever. Okay, now I know I'm getting ready to say something that's going to be negative, but I'm biblical. Social justice is good, education is good, helping people with medical needs is good, all that stuff is good, but that falls so short into ensuring that people have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Okay, because what good is for you to have education and know Jesus or health care? and no Jesus. Or um, uh, uh, money, but no Jesus. Okay? All that stuff is sowing to the flesh. But when you sow to the spirit, helping people to understand who they are in Christ, you are producing a spiritual harvest. All right? Okay. I, I hope I'm helping somebody. Let me look at verse nine. So then Paul says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Okay, now now notice in verse 9 that that, that Paul kind of includes himself, let us, he's not saying let y'all, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. I ain't gonna lie. I'll, I'll be very honest. There are times that as a pastor, I can become discouraged with this spiritual sowing because it don't seem like I'm getting any harvest. I'm just being transparent. Okay. <laughs> because you don't, you don't sow, you don't sow and then reap immediately. It doesn't work like that. Okay, you you don't you don't sow today and reap today. It doesn't work like that. Whatever you reap today is because of something you've sown way back then. It ain't because of what you've sown right now. Ooh. Now, God can do that, but that ain't how the spiritual or natural principle of sowing and reaping takes place. Whatever you're reaping right now is because of something you've done back then. Okay? But watch this. It can become real easy to become discouraged with sowing because it seems like the harvest falls, but but but, but Paul says, don't get tired, because in due season, we shall reap if we don't faint out. Now, that word due season, or the word season, really, and I want you to circle that word season. That word season is kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, all right, kairos, kairos, and kairos has to do with God's timing, okay, kairos. This is not Kronos. When, when you think about due season, people think about spring, winter, fall, summer. Mm-mm, it's not that. This is God's timing, which means that the reaping will come at God's timing. And it can either be in this life or it can be in the next life, but it will come in God's timing. All right. So Paul is saying, don't get tired, don't lose heart, don't lose faith while you're doing good. Because in God's timing, you're going to reap if you don't give up. This is about perseverance. And we as followers of Jesus Christ have a whole bunch of ways we can do good. All right now let's be honest I can imagine that there were times when Paul felt weary because Paul had been through a lot sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ it was taxing um uh, he had to put up with those Judaizers at Galatia uh he had to deal with crazy folks at Corinth he had to put up with people scorning him in Ephesus uh I can imagine that when Paul wrote verse nine, he 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 was wondering if his work was in vain. So Paul really had to remind himself, as well as the Christians at Galatia, listen, hang in there. In God's own time, you're going to do a major harvest if you don't lose heart. And I want to encourage somebody right now that that harvest can be experienced even in this world. You ain't got to wait till you die to reap the harvest that God has for you. I hope I'm helping somebody, all right? All right, now watch this. So in the space of these three verses I've dropped on you, the principle has been used to encourage us to hang in there and be faithful, even when we're tired. Because as a disciple, we're going to reap a harvest of the present blessings. Number one is the fruit of the spirit. Number two, well-instructed believers. Number three, restored sinners. And number four, mutual support. And the last thing that we all going to get is eternal life in the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be based on what? God's timing. So as disciples, we got to hang in there. We got to persevere. A farmer, a farmer, For all the work that the farmer does, does not make the crops grow, does not make the rain come. The principle of nature mirrors spiritual principles. We are to persist in sowing good things because in due times we're going to reap good things. And and I want to remind you again that due time can be in this life or in the next or maybe both. But it's not for us to decide. But I have lived long enough to see that God will bless you even in this life. And here's what I want to leave you with, with verse nine. Just as the farmer knows that if he has sown, if rains have come, that his crops will grow. He knows that the harvest is coming. So this is about perseverance. Let me close out in verse 10. Verse 10 says, and therefore, as we have opportunity, circle the word opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. Again, the word opportunity in this text is kairos. It's kairos. Again, due season is kairos. Opportunity is kairos. God's timing. Okay? That's what opportunity is in the Greek. It's God's time. Now watch this. Because this is where I want to really blow your mind. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the responsibility to do good to all people. Rather save or unsaved. Remember when Jesus fed 5,000 men beside women and children? All of them weren't following him. All of them weren't disciples. But he fed them anyway. Okay. So our goodness or our benevolence should never be restricted to just believers. Okay, it should never be restricted to just believers, but believers should have first priority. Okay, as in a home, the family needs are met first, then the neighbors. You don't take care of your neighbors and then, 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 then your family second. No, take care of the family first, neighbor second. This passage speaks cr- clearly about our social responsibility. Paul is saying, whenever we have opportunity, do good to all. But watch this phrase, especially those who are the household of faith. So, if we're going to do good to anybody, we do good to those who are connected to the local church first. Then we do good to others. We do good to have made a covenant to roll with us first. Then we do good to others it makes no sense for us to do good to folks out in the culture and the world that don't care about the church and we don't do good to those who are in the church. Ooh! 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 Yeah, I know. This, this messes up your understanding of what of, of what people have thrust upon us as church. No. And, and this is how I try to help people understand. My first obligation as pastor is to the disciples of St. Paul Baptist Church. Not the community, not the city, not the country. My first responsibility as pastor is to the disciples of St. Paul Baptist Church, to those who are committed, to those who are committed disciples of St. Paul Baptist Church. I am not, that's my first and primary responsibility. So I gotta make sure y'all are good First, before I make sure that the community is good, because if y'all are good in the church, then all of us that are good in the church can make the community better. But if we ain't good in the church. We ain't going to have the impetus to make the community better. We're not an agency for social work, even though we do that. We're to call people to the restoration and to becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. I, I hope that this, this is some good teaching. I, I pray to God. This is some good teaching. All right. God calls us as disciples to do good to all people. That's when you demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. All right. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's good fruit. All right. Now, watch, watch while I'm getting ready to drop on you. Because we got to understand that some fields, It may be difficult to sow, but we're told to sow goodness anyway. But we're called to be good to those who are part of the household of faith. Let me close on this. Paul is still thinking about what? Our financial responsibility. You and I should be willing to help others financially whenever we can. But we should focus particularly on the needs of those who are part of the family of God. All right. The Christian family extend far beyond the walls of a particular church or a denomination. It includes all true believers. And, and, and that's what Jesus meant when he said in John 13, 13 verse 35. And this all would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And when he's talking about love for one another, he ain't talking about loving everybody. He's talking about folks who know you're my disciples if you love each other who are part of the church and folks see that love and they don't want to become part of that church. When Paul told individual believers to do good, he spoke to their responsibility in the community as well as in the church. All right. The church is not meant to be merely a social agency, but individual believers we are called to meet the needs of society. Give resources where God has enabled us to do that. So watch this. Sowing seeds of kindness to those in need expresses Christ's love and it then prepares them to receive the gospel that you and I so have. So next time you you quote uh, what a person sowed, that shall he also reap is not just talking about, or shall I say it is not primarily or directly dealing with You know, if someone does bad to you, bad's going to come back to them. Now, this is basically dealing with your financial generosity when it comes to the kingdom of God. So I wanted to make sure that I get this teaching across because verses 6 through 10 basically deals with financial generosity as far as the body of Christ is concerned. I hope and pray that this has been a blessing to you. Um, before I go, I want to see, do I have any questions or or uh, comments uh, before I close out this time of study? Any questions in the chat or any comments in the chat before I close out this time of study? Maybe one day I'll do a preaching on this. Um uh, to to help us to understand what it is the Lord is trying to do. Well, listen, I want to give you an opportunity to sow. (laughs) I want to give you an opportunity to sow. And if you feel led to give, remember, you don't have to give anything. Uh, You don't have to sow anything. Uh, But understand if you don't sow anything, don't expect to reap anything. Uh, I do want to empower you uh, that if you feel led to give, you can do that even now. You can mail check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205, or you can drop off your check, cash, money order to the church, call the church office at 704 334 Make sure someone is here to receive your offering, and we'll put it in the safe and include it in the following Sunday's count. Or you can give through our website through ACS or Church Light. Or you can give through the app called Gimplify. So however you feel led to give at this particular time, I want to encourage you to do that, knowing that if you sow, that shall you also reap. Well, listen, as I close out, just want to remind you that uh, it's women's weekend coming up. Um, uh, I pray that it doesn't rain too much on Saturday for the, Picnic that uh, the women are going to have out in Huntersville. Um, uh, I'm praying that it doesn't rain uh, on on Saturday. Dr. Leslie Callahan is going to be our preacher on Sunday. Looking forward. If you've never heard her before, you're going to be blessed after hearing her. Uh, And we're looking forward to our sisters giving a powerful sharing as far as Women's Day is concerned. Uh, And also, I just want to do a major shout out to all of our uh, high school and college graduates where graduation is taking place. So godly proud of you all, particularly for the preachers here at St. Paul that are graduating with uh, advanced seminary degrees. Uh, uh, definitely proud of them. Well, listen, God bless you. Have a smile upon you. The Lord keep you and bless you. And uh, thank you for joining us as far as, uh, pipe says concerned. The women's day assessment, thank you. The women's day assessment is a hundred dollars for the women, fifty dollars for the brothers. Uh, but since I'm ex officio chair of all committees, I'll be giving a hundred dollars. And uh, any brother that wants to join me in supporting our women by giving an extra hundred dollars above your tithes and offers, you're more than welcome to do that. Amen. All right, blessings upon you all. The Lord keep you and bless you. Uh, Be safe. And Lord says same. Look forward to seeing you either online or in the Lord's house on Sunday morning.